Hello and welcome to Author Not Present, a podcast in which we critique your submissions. I am Peter J. Coles and I am the managing editor of content for Mere Online. And today I am joined by Christina Kerr and Louise Hare. And you guys can speak if you want to. You don't have to be silent. Hi, Peter. Hi, Louise. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> Hi, guys. Hi. So this podcast is all about us critiquing your submissions. And we've had, I think we had a couple of, we had a fair few submissions come in for yeah. our first round. Uh, and we've chosen one of them, which Louise has brought um, to yes. for us to critique. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think one of the first things we have to work out is what right do we have to critique <laughs> and workshop pieces? Mm, the million dollar question. What right do we have to critique? <laughs> what right? Do, what right does anybody have to critique anybody's work? So let's start with Christina. What right do you have? to come and critique this person's work? Well, look, I personally think that anybody who reads widely and deeply has the right to critique. If you're a reader, you kind of know what you're looking for when yeah. you read a piece of fiction. You know what appeals to you. Um, Wrong. I... You need to have done a critique. No, but yeah. I obviously fundamentally disagree with that. Uh, I think I'm kind of representing the least experienced position here, potentially, in terms of fiction. I haven't done a creative writing MA. But I have been a professional editor for quite some time. I have a postgrad in journalism, not in editing necessarily, but in writing, um, but not creative fiction. Regardless, I think that I'm part of enough critique groups to know what they kind of look like and how they feel. I obviously write fiction myself. I've won some stuff. Um, Tell us what you won. Well, I'm on the London Writers Award right now, and I was just awarded a scholarship at the Faber Academy. You can take from that what you will. (laughs) Um, But I I mean, in the past, I've won some awards through the Sydney Morning Herald Young Writers Awards. So I was a young writer and at some point lost some confidence and I'm just back into it now. So I think... That's my sort of point of view. That's what I'm bringing to the table. Right. I know that Louise obviously is our <laughs> yeah. most experienced and esteemed, I think. Um, so. Well, yeah, I guess I've done an MA and yeah. I'm, my book's about to be published. And yes. I have a, short, a couple of short stories published. Wait, when's it going to be published? Um, Give us the date. It's published on the 12th of March. 12th of March. This will come out sometime, sometime in February, but 12th of March. So like a month away from this is going to come out, basically. Yeah. Wow. In fact, if this is going out in the middle of February, you can even download the audio right now. Oh. Because the audio book is out on the 13th of February. Oh, oh maybe awesome. we'll yes. sync it up so, yes. we'll, so this is released <laughs> yes. that day. So you can... Are you, did you do the audio for that? No. Oh. <laughs> Actors, professional people. Oh, really? Did you yes. get to pick your actor to do it? I did, actually. They sent me some voice files. and Nice. Uh, there was one I wasn't sure about, and then they sent me another one. I was like, yes. That this one. Person. Yeah. Oh, That's so cool. cool. And also, you did an MA... Yeah, that's how you guys know each that's other. You know each exactly. Other. Yeah. But I think, you know, going back to the whole thing of learning to critique, I think it's a skill that anyone can learn. Mm. I don't think you need to do an MA, I don't think you need to um you don't think you even need to necessarily write. If you look at who reviews in newspapers, they're not necessarily writers. No for the yeah. writing. It's just learning what makes a good story, uh, a good narrative, um, and also knowing how to critique constructively mm-hmm. like don't just sit there going well I don't like this or you know this doesn't work for me you have to be able to explain how the person can improve because it's yeah. about a learning experience for the person who is the writer mm. at the end of the day and also for the writer listening to this um who's worked with critiquing you don't have to take our advice you, yeah. you know you yeah, can sure. take on board certain points or you can ignore things if they don't work with your vision of the piece it's still 
this person's piece at work at the end of the day. And we're just here to, I guess, discuss it and say how we think it could move forward. Yeah, exactly. Uh, And then there's me. Uh, So I guess the biggest thing is that I'm the managing managing editor of Mirror Online. So I'm the sort of editor and copy editor at the end of the day for all the pieces that go up. I also did the MA at Birkbeck with uh, Louise. And I'm also a London Writers Awardee along with Christina. And uh, I'm currently writing my first novel, which people are enjoying, which is good. Yeah, good. readers. I like it, Peter. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) So that's really good. Um, uh, Yeah, and also I've been through a lot of uh, workshops now over the Mm. past three or four years. I spend most of my time in writing workshops, especially ones I highly recommend. London Lit Lab with Zoe Gilbert and uh, Lady Dunn. They're very, very good workshops and uh, great introductions to workshop as well if you want to do that. But um, but you're right. You don't need to be on a writing course to learn yeah, how to do sure. this. Mm. You just have to have an eye for what a good story is and to understand a structure of a story as well. Maybe it's slightly different for line editing. I'm not really sure. What would you guys say? I mean, I think that is a particular set of skills. Mm. Yeah. You know, you do obviously have to have pretty good sense grasp on grammar etc unlike yeah. that sentence mm. i just said but <laughs> but also what makes sense what makes a sentence interesting yes right? exactly you're mm. trying to convey something clearly enough mm. that someone understands where you're going mm. and that is obviously the hard part of writing <laughs> is being understood you know for what you're intending so yeah, yeah. I think mm. you know what we're i think the, the point that we're sort of looking at these pieces like when i, I mean i still workshop mm-hmm. stuff for my second book with a group that um, Peter and I go to it's just kind of came out of Burbank and it's really important I think it doesn't matter how experienced you are I think sharing work and getting just an overall uh, view on it is really helpful Mm. so rather than getting into that nitty gritty I think it's just just super helpful no matter what stage you are whether you're just trying to write it for the first time or whether you're you know, on book 10. Yeah. yeah. I mean, cool. every writer that writes a book about writing mentions mm. the critique group and how integral that is yeah. to their process. Mm. And so if you can't join a critique group, this is your critique group. Yeah. Welcome. We, this is a virtual <laughs> critique group. Um, and also we'd like you, I'm just saying this now, they don't know this, but I'd like any listeners <laughs> who have their own feedback that maybe we don't give during the episode to write into us at editors at no editor one S, no S. At Let's start that sentence again. <laughs> editor at mirroronline.org. Uh, you can put in the title, author not present. Um, what should we say? I don't know. Let's My start critique. this whole section again. Yeah. <laughs> it's getting confusing. So if people want to give their feedback yes. on what we've talked about, yes. if they think we've missed something, yes. what can they do? They can write to editor at mirroronline.org and in the title put author not present and the episode title. So this one will be 20 minutes yeah and then give their feedback and we can also pass that feedback on to the, the writer mm-hmm. yeah so good also another good point authors are always going to remain anonymous yeah uh, but you will be able to read the piece online right now by going to again mirroronline.org slash author not present and there you can find the piece that we are critiquing today and you can look through it yourself I'll make it available so that you can either just read it online or you can download it and edit it in track changes if this is something you want to do. And then you can send it to us and we'll forward it on to the author. So you really are part of this uh, workshop, which I think is going to be an interesting experience for everybody. 
Yeah. Um, okay. Just before we... St- oh, no, did you want to say something? I was going to say as well yeah. that we were hoping to obviously check in with people yeah. a little bit further down the track if they take mm-hmm. changes on board or mm-hmm. if they want to keep working on it and send us an updated version. We'll have little updates further on in the season on how pieces are going. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. Okay. So you can follow the progress, basically. Good. And one final thing. I just wanted to talk about what type of style of writing are you, are you as everyone writing? Just so that people get an idea of what genres we're in. So, Christina, what what sort of style are you writing at the moment? Right now, I'm writing a contemporary take on a gothic fiction novel. So I tend to write stuff that's a bit macabre and maybe has some loose thriller elements to okay. it. Um, and a lot of stuff that's surreal. Okay. So, yeah, that's how I describe what some I'm doing. Fiction. Yeah. Uh, Louise? Um, so most of my novel writing is, I'd say, historical. Mm-hmm. Um, looking at especially black British history. Um, so novels, quite plot-based. Uh, usually there's a crime in there, just to get things going. <laughs> <laughs> they do um, get things going. <laughs> yeah. So I'm about story and character. More okay. than anything, that's what I really focus on in my writing. Yeah. And I don't know. <laughs> I'm trying to figure that out. No, but it's literary fiction yeah. in the in the most extreme sense, I guess. It's very uh, dense. Is it dense? It's not we, dense. We've had this discussion. Where it's, it's high literary fiction, I would say. High, Whereas I'm doing so accessible. Arrogant, but... Okay. Apparently. So, you know, we're just two sides of a coin here. <laughs> I spend more time caring about the sentence than I do about plot and character, mm. which is terrible and something I need to change. Well, we're both opposite, so this is quite handy, mm. possibly for this session, that you'll be looking for, we're looking for different things. Yeah. Know? But sure. that means that, you know, because you kind of need nice sentences mm. yeah. along with maybe a little bit of a plot. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> so no, not necessarily, but I'm getting, yeah. <laughs> more, I'm getting more plot driven now. I really, yeah. I really enjoy plot. Um, we and just a sidebar completely. I can see over the, on the top of your bookshelf there, Christina. Yes, we're in my house at the Christina's moment. <laughs> house, there's the Seven Deaths of Evelyn Hardcastle by Stuart yes. Turnton, and that is the perfect example of a fantastic plot, well plotted, perfect characters. If you want to read a good book that is pure plot, that's a great one. What's an example of a thing that isn't, isn't like plotty? That? Uh, Carmen Maria Machado. Yeah, Carmen Maria Machado doesn't. I don't think her things are really plot driven. No, They're super no. stylistic and they are really about gesture, I yeah. feel, than they are anything else. Yeah. Um, but I've got In the Dream House up there on the shelf as well. Ah, and everyone should go read that. Because <laughs> see, that's a good example. That's her memoir. And yeah. um, it's told in a very, very intriguing way. There's kind of a choose your own adventure in the middle of it. And so it's a very unusual structure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She's, it's great. Highly yeah. recommend. Yeah. Okay, so it's time to get started. So, shall I go first? Because I kind of champion. Yeah, Louise, tell us why you brought this piece. So, I chose 20 minutes because I think um, there's potential here. Um, What really drew me in was the character of Kenny. So, obviously, as I said, I really love. Uh, getting involved in stories that have really sort of well-rounded characters that's kind of what I'm looking for and I felt like the opening especially is really strong Um, so you feel like you know Kenny you've got this picture of this guy Um, you can almost imagine him you might even know someone who's a little bit like Kenny Um, so that was really the the strength um, for me of this piece on the flip side we have this narrator who is a complete enigma Mm. and I think that balance might be a little bit off mm. in terms of I kind of 
need to know more about this person that's telling me this story. So let's yeah. begin just general points. Yeah. Let's start with the positive. What did we all really like about the story? Shall I go first? Yeah, go for it. I'm going to go first. So I liked the concept of it a lot. I think yeah. it's very, very interesting, this idea of almost uh, taking over somebody's life. Um, why, why are we doing spoilers? There's no spoilers. <laughs> Everyone's <laughs> going to read the story. Um, so basically, the plot, the plot of the story is that Kenny uh, is a friend of... Who is the main character called? I don't, I don't know the name. Complete enigma. Complete enigma of the narrator uh, is a friend of Kenny, and Kenny has this ability to weave his way through crowds. Unfortunately, Kenny is killed in a, a train crash, um, and it, it's up to the narrator, who is a very lonely person who doesn't have Kenny's skill, to then go on to take over Kenny's life and visit his family and try and you know, become what Kenny was. Yeah. So that's the main plot of the, of the short story. Yeah, there's kind of a clear contrast between the narrator and Kenny, that Kenny has his way of just fitting in places, literally yeah. and figuratively, yeah. and the narrator doesn't. No. Um, but we don't get much more of a sense of where the story is going. No. So from what we've got, I think the thing that's good about it is... Um, really the depiction of Kenny that's mm. I think the heart of it so that to me is is the interesting part I'm I'm unsure about the narrator so I'm a kind of have a question mark about that um but I like some of the details particularly the interactions with crowds I think those little snippets are done quite well Louise mm. yeah so I think I think basically we're almost missing a whole middle section I feel this piece needs to be a lot longer mm. because first of all I need to know more about the narrator because I'm not sure who I'm kind of identifying with, especially at the end, because Kenny's dead. Mm. So then who do we care about? Yeah. yeah because you totally. sort of kind of like Kenny, and I, I think Kenny Kenny should die. I think that's <laughs> Oh, it's, it's essential for the story. <laughs> I think, yeah. Um, I didn't know this to happen. Is but this I, a South Park reference? <laughs> no, I just suddenly oh thought his name. I was like, <laughs> who killed he Kenny? He dies in every episode. <laughs> um, so, so, yeah, I think um, as a sort of plot device that, but I don't, I don't really get whether I care if the narrator goes to visit Tara yeah, or Kenny totally. because I don't know anything about the narrator. Mm-hmm. And also, you could read that as that's super creepy. <laughs> Poor <Yeah>. Tara. <laughs> She's got this guy turning up at her house every day um, in the guise of her like, former husband or whatever he was. So yeah. I think the mid- the whole mid- this, this whole middle section is a lot longer that kind of goes into this main character that we know nothing about. Um and a bit more the interaction between her and Kenny because, or I'm assuming him, him or her and Kenny, and how, like, have they, like, why are they so lonely? Why was Kenny the only mm. person yeah. in their life? I kind of felt like that was a huge question hanging over this piece. Yeah. I, I suffer from exactly the same thing when I write a short story constantly, is that I have one very detailed character and then the narrator talking about that character who is a complete and utter enigma and is not even in the story. Yeah. I wrote something recently and I sent it to a friend of mine and she read it and she was like, it, so you, the, the narrator is nobody. It's, it's, it's an empty, they're an empty vessel. Yeah. And I think in my mind as a writer, I'm like, ah, oh, but the reader's going to fill that person in and they're going to, you know, they're going to flesh well, out. Well, I think that that's true. And I, I think that the trouble here is just the circumstance, which is that mm. Kenny dies quite quickly. And so they were only left really with the narrator. And why would we want to f- keep following the narrator mm. if we really don't know anything about them? Or what you know, what's the hook for the next thing that's going to happen to them? Mm. I personally kind of got the sense that, like, the, I mean, the title of the story is 20 minutes, and the 20 minutes is quite important. 
um, because, you know, Kenny goes to all these efforts in order to get those 20 minutes of his life back, but then quickly dies. So obviously there's like an interesting tension there that this was the kind of character, we quickly lose him, but then it's not clear to me why that 20 minutes is still important to the narrator or why doing that action is important to the narrator mm. because for much of it, the narrator actually seems quite, not happy about being on the outside, but just sort of like resigned mm-hmm. to being a bit outside of the crowd and outside of everybody else and looking on voyeuristically a little, but not really, it doesn't seem like there's a real desire for them to actually join in. Mm. So I'm sort of not sure, you know, what's their motivation? What What is it that they're looking for or that they're trying to get um, that I would want to keep investing in their journey? I'm not sure how long our author intends this piece to be. Maybe mm. that is a key question to answer. Mm. Um, what do you guys think? I think it definitely has space to be a lot longer than yeah. it mm. could be, you know, triple the length, I think. At the moment, it's, what is it at the moment? It's, is it just um, 951 words? Yeah, no, it's quite yeah. short. 951 words. So at the moment, I think it could be like, you know, five, five times as long, I think, and still be, and still be good. Or maybe not, I'm not sure. I think, I think 3,000 words, you could flesh out something quite substantial in the middle, just to mm. give us an idea of... Yeah, why do we care? Why does this person basically go to take the place? Because this person never went to this house at this time before mm. when Kenny yeah, was doing it. So it's exactly. like, what are you getting out of it? Mm. Um, and just fill in those gaps or whether that needs to change. I don't know. Like, mm. I, I, I think one of the biggest things that could they, the, protect, um, the author can do is to give us a much better understanding of the relationship between the narrator and Kenny. Yeah. Because at the moment, all we know about them is that the narrator likes to follow Kenny. That's yes. it. And and that's that's interesting and I think that could work, but we need something else. We need we need some tiny little detail that will s- express more about their relationship. Um because at the moment we just we're just missing that that idea about what um what their relationship is and why mm. we should care about their relationship. And I think yeah. that's that's very it's, I think it's yeah. a question of motivation too. So if we understood their relationship better and we understood what really motivates the narrator even in a small way, we would get a much better sense of what that relationship mm. is or was. Well, yeah, because I was, I was rereading it this morning on the way here and I was thinking, actually, there are so many interesting ways that you go with this because, mm. so, I don't think it ever mentions that they're work colleagues, but obviously they must be because yeah. of this whole train thing. Work. And yeah. leaving work. So are they work colleagues? Are they really good friends? Mm. We're never sure. Or are they but also, else? Well, yeah, and I thought, you know, wouldn't it be cool to do like some kind of like Patricia Highsmithy kind of yeah, yeah, yeah. twist? And it's like, you know, now this person's gone, now I can go into it. Like kind of a Ripley-esque kind of thing. I'm going to go in and take over your the life that you had that mm. I always looked at and wanted. Like I wasn't sure if that was what we were supposed to get from this. And mm. I think you can read it as that or you could read it as just like a very, you know, I miss my friend. But I wasn't quite, I think there's not enough in that. And it comes back to not knowing enough about the narrator, yeah. mm. whether it's creepy or not. And I think that needs to be really established. So there's a bit uh, on page two, which is uh, for those that are not looking at the file itself. It's sort of maybe a quarter of the way down, third of the way, halfway down, maybe. There's just a simple line that says, back in the day, it was just Kenny and me, our gang of two. Then he mm. met Tara and things changed. Yeah. Now, I can totally get what the author is doing there because they're like, oh, that's enough. I've explained everything with that because we'll all have experiences where we can sort of draw on to do that. But it's just not enough. Mm-hmm. I, one one thing that I found is the reader is is clever, but they're not as clever as they think they are. 
and they don't have the experience. Well, you need to give them some yeah, you've got to little give them hint. More. You've got to give them more. Because that could suggest, yeah, they're best mates. Or he's actually in love with him. Yeah. You know, anything. Really. <laughs> choose your own adventure. <laughs> yeah, choose your own adventure, totally. But sometimes you don't want to choose your own adventure. You want to be... And you just want a little hint, <laughs> a little <laughs> clue. But the next start. line as well is, uh, you should find someone, they told me. This is Tara and Kenny. But right. I already had. I found him. Kenny was the, per- the first person, the only person who ever made me feel like I belonged. Now, that feels like something so much more than friendship. That feels Yes, it does. It's either going into lover territory or it's sort of, you know, they're like brothers from another mother that they never had, you know. It, it, mm-hmm. it, but we just don't get that sense of, so what does that mean for him? I think it's confused only because the the author then a few lines down uses the word gang again. Mm. So what what you're saying is totally right. You feel like that's got a a romantic connotation. But then a few sentences on, he says, I wasn't part of their gang, not really, when Mm. he's referring to Kenny's family, Mm. which Mm. sort of brings it back into friend zone again. You know Mm. what I mean? So I feel like maybe it's just a decision that needs to be made there. Like, what's the... What is the real nature of their relationship and how could you weave that in mm. with a bit more careful word, word choice there? Because if you keep saying gang, I'm going to keep thinking friend. Mm. But then it sounds from the sentence you just said like it's something more. Yeah. I mean, it does say sort of long, later on in that sentence, um, best friend. Yeah. But then it's like, um, it's hard to be a good godparent to a kid you resent. Which yes, also adds exactly. that sort of different level of, you know, what's... Two different modalities going yeah, on. Yeah, which is where I think I'm getting the Highsmith kind of vibes. Yeah. It's like, you know, you hate this kid. <laughs> Just for anybody that, any reader, that uh, any listener that doesn't know, Patricia Highsmith obviously wrote the talented Mr. Ripley. And, yeah. And that's what you're referring to. Yes. Just in case anyone didn't know. Look it up. It's a very good, good book. Um, I would like to make a point about the end of the piece. Yeah. So, uh, there's the second, second to last paragraph, the penultimate paragraph. It's quite optimistic. So he says, so I can, so I do what I can. I find a crowd to get lost and it doesn't matter what kind of crowd. Kenny's dead at this point. Could a, could be a bar, a gig, a football match. All I need is a mass of people. And et cetera, et cetera. It goes on like this and it's very optimistic. But that's not how the piece ends. Mm. It ends with, um, uh, in dreams, I'm always on the wrong side of a crowded room. I'll spot Kenny on the other side. I wave and he waves back. I make my way through to him, jostled and sworn at ribs, bruised and aching. But by the time I get to him there, he's gone. So it's a very sad ending Indeed, yeah. to point it on. And I'm just wondering, why do you think the author tried uh, ended it pessimistically and sadly like this? Is it so? I like that last paragraph. You like it? Yeah. Which is why I'm kind of erring towards um, sort of making a little bit more, I don't know. I keep saying that. Because I think it, it, the, the story is sort of like, almost like a eulogy or a, you know, a tribute to this lost friend. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think I quite like that note to end on. I quite like a bit of a... So, you, so I think for me that note makes it seem like it's more about their friendship than anything else. Mm. And so what then becomes the problem is is that the bit where he goes and meets the family and spends that 20 minutes what is that what is that, what is that really about yeah, yeah i think this right. is what we're missing it's what mm. we're sort of talking about with, with what we need in in the middle is sort of an explanation for mm. that or I, I would like to know did he go did this person go to the house regularly or you know is does this kid look a bit like kenny or mm. you know or did kenny have certain aspirations for his son that this narrator now wants to try and make sure get carried on 
Um, or is the narrator trying to make this child Kenny again? Which would be something yeah. interesting to play yeah. with. Um, I, when I was reading it, I thought the one possible thing was that he doesn't go into the house, but he just goes to the house every night, stands outside 20 minutes. That's well, really see, creepy. You're away <laughs> exactly, but <laughs> if, it, if it's done that way, then it's it's creepy, but in a it becomes something else. You see, right. it, it comes like a the character. You can read more into yeah, it. Yeah, you can read yeah. more into yeah. it. But I always go creepy route, don't I? I always go yeah. sad, depressing. <laughs> this is the thing, you can kind of go any of these different avenues because yeah. it's yeah, left so sure. open. Yeah. Um, which is, I guess, a good thing. Mm-hmm. So it's nice to have all these options um, yeah, to do things with. So yeah, We just definitely need more. And, and like, I did feel just, I don't know if you want to go into a more, like, line, liney edit. Well, let's go for line edits yeah. in a bit. Okay. Let's, let's sort of finish up with some more general points that we might have about it. Are, are, we, are we sort of concluded on this that... Basically, the narrator. We need more narrator and more about their relationship. Yeah. We need to understand who he, he or she is, and we need to understand exactly what their relationship was. That's not just based on him following him through crowds. Yeah, mm. yeah. I think. Yeah, and I need a bit less about the train crash. Actually, I don't need to know. Yeah, was missing. Yeah, I was like, oh, yes. I don't know. I mean, I'm not. I don't get queasy about those kind of things, but I was just like, I don't. Also, would you know? Around, that's very no, detailed for a train accident. I think you would just know that the person was gone. Yeah. All right. I think we're heading into line edits now. <laughs> yes. So just for those uninitiated, what we just did was general points. So what was the structure like? What did make, How did it make us feel? What was yeah. the text trying to do? And now we're going to go into line edits is where we look at each line and we say, I don't like this. I don't like this noun that they've used. I don't like the way the comma is. Or also I do things like. Do, yes. yes. Also things, things like. Sorry. Other things we do like. Okay. That's a good point. Let's start with the things we do like. Uh, lines that we do like. The first one. You like the first I one. I like the opening. Kenny was a human eel. Do you want to read it? Read the, read the opening. Just that first? No, the, the whole first paragraph. Okay. Kenny was a human eel. He could slalom his way through people like he was made of rubber. Parties, gigs, packed station concourses, wherever there was a throng to get through, Kenny was your man. Okay. What do you think about that opening? You like I it. like that because I can visualise it. Yeah. And it makes sense to me. Mm-hmm. And I see people doing that all the time. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, yeah, Kenny's one of those guys that I pisses me off. <laughs> <laughs> But, it's um, but you know, you get an idea yeah. about you know Kenny immediately. So I'm like, Great. you kind of know how he moves and maybe mm. how he looks even mm. a little by that. So I do think it's a very effective opening. What do we think about the fact though that Kenny is, was a human eel mm. and then he is made of rubber? Do we like that? Ooh, I I didn't like that. I changed rubber to water. I'm not saying that's the final thing that the author should do. So it reads: Kenny was a human eel. He could slam his way through the crowd like he was made of water because eels live in water. Mm, I see what you the mean. The eel rubber thing. But you do, but those do go together. Like if you eat jellied eels, people often say it's, it's like rubbery. Mm. So the texture works for me. The t- mm. okay, the texture I don't think works. water works for me. You don't? You don't think no, I disagree. <laughs> <laughs> we have our first Yay, disagreements. <laughs> oh no, our first disagreement on the podcast. It's over. Like water is like. That doesn't make sense. It'd like go along the ground. Like I'm, I'm already going. What does that look like? Mm. And it, and it's. Whereas I'm like, well, yeah, he's an eel. Cool. Mm. The water mm. thing. I'm just like, oh, I don't really know how that works. All right. Yeah. Later on in this bit, he is then called a salmon. Uh, so in the next paragraph, fish based. It's very fish based. Oh, yeah. so like a salmon bending upstream against the current. So he was a salmon, 
Then he was rubber, and now he's a salmon bending himself. Look, I have to say that I, because I wasn't sure how long this was going to end up, I had a note about those first two paragraphs saying we've got quite a lot of the same thing. Mm. So I don't know if we need the salmon. Yeah. Basically. I believe Because we, mm. we already kind of got the sense of how he is and how he moves. Mm-hmm. And we're just reiterating that again. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you could really just delete that yeah. sentence. Um, so where it says then the hand was sliding to the gap and the arm would follow that sense could That's just go perfect, because yeah. the one before it and the one after it actually just follow do the work on. yeah so and then the next line once an arm once he'd introduced an arm we've got a real thing with the yeah. arms I've yeah. just figured that out now well, love arms. <laughs> yeah and also I would probably get rid of that second line because also then you start imagining like Inspector Gadget mm. and like then it throws you out the story which which one many... sorry the, then the hand would slide yeah just because mm-hmm. you know Gadget arm yeah, yeah gotcha. <laughs> 80s references yeah sorry to just anyone, anyone who's doesn't know younger than me Louise is <laughs> <laughs> referencing Go Go Gadget what was, the, what was Inspector, Gadget. Inspector Gadget classic just in case there's any young listeners who don't understand well what. you can google it yeah google Inspector yeah. Gadget Go yeah. Go Gadget arm <laughs> Exactly. Because, yeah, there's a lot of arm. There's a lot of Single arm action. And I can't believe there's so many arms. There's not an octopus reference. I feel like the octopus (laughs) could do the fish. Fish. Why is it octopus? Delete salmon and put in octopus. Missed opportunities. (laughs) Octopus can go through anything, can't they? They go tiny gaps. So, why is it an octopus? Okay. Anyway. (laughs) Okay, let's go go back again. Let's go to great pieces of... uh, Or positive lines. Um, I would like to suggest... Yeah, go for it. Um, it's, so it's just under just under this it says people move for him like they were in his way the, and the only polite course of action was to get out of it I, I wouldn't keep the um, they'd even apologise but I really like that as a piece of characterization that it gave Kenny so much confidence yeah. that he sort of exerted it onto people and they mm. were like okay this this is a man of importance I must get out of his way and it made it seem him seem very confident Without telling us that he's very confident, it mm. showed us because it showed it in the action of the crowd around him. Um, yeah, anybody else? Some really nice lines. I like that. I, I do actually quite like the apologise, but I think you could put that into that. You could merge those together, mm. so you could almost say um, people would apologise like they're in his way, mm-hmm. and I'll do something like that because I kind of like the because I. Do you know that is it a British thing? Like you walk oh, in, yeah. so, like someone walks into you and you go sorry. Yeah. So that. I have an really Icelandic like. friend uh, who just laughed every time uh, she was here, every time a British person said sorry, even though it was definitely not the British person's <laughs> fault. <laughs> I was like, why do you do that? It's insane. I'm not going to do an Icelandic <laughs> <laughs> um, Yeah, maybe. Maybe. But I, I do agree, but maybe it's just, I don't know, it feels slightly unnecessary. Just a quick point, a little sidebar. Do yeah. we think this is supposed to be a piece of flash fiction? Is that why it's so short? I it's mean, a bit too much isn't it? Yeah, I, I, think well, it I just think flash is like a page or something. Uh, but in my head, but I don't know what the rules are. I think a thousand is like... I struggle to write a short story, so I've, flash fiction is out <laughs> of my league completely. Yeah, not really good short stories. Maybe yeah. it's supposed to be a piece of flash at a thousand. Well, it's not working as a piece of flash. I don't, yeah, I don't think it's quite there, if that's yeah. the case. Okay. Like, it doesn't quite conclude, or give you enough in the middle, as yeah. you said before, Louise, to right. conclude. Okay, back from the sidebar. Back to the... <laughs> normal thing well, it would be else? lovely to know if, mm. from the author what length they were intending yeah anything else we like I've got loads so I'm going to you go for it I'm going to yeah. keep going so just before the uh, ellipses at the bottom on um, page three mm-hmm. that whole section um, uh, where 
it is explained how Kenny that they didn't do what Kenny did and rushed to the 8.32. He yeah. stayed late, went for a burger, had a burger on the way home, not because I wanted to, but because the real difference between me and Kenny wasn't whether we made the train or not. It wasn't, it wasn't how easily he slipped through the cloud. It was how somebody noticed whether he was 20 minutes late from home for work. And then we've got someone cared, Kenny belongs somewhere. So again, I think the author has a bit of a problem where they have explained the point, we've got the point, and then they have to add those extra lines at the end yeah. to sort of confirm it to the reader. Did you get what I just did? You get what I just meant? Yeah, so someone I probably cared. don't need those no. last two bits. So yeah, it was that someone noticed whether he was 20 minutes late home from work. The reader's like, oh, so no one cares for the narrator. We don't need someone cared, Kenny belongs somewhere. We just mm. don't need that. Yeah. Yeah. Um all right. Again, let's go let's go jump to the um the found in the sycamore tree bit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I like the line they found him in a sycamore tree, one hand held out as though he was about to introduce himself. Yeah, that's, that's a lovely great. line. We don't need they, they never, never found, found his other arm. We've got this thing with the arms. Yeah. 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 I think my only question about that line is just the logistics of it because not the physical logistics but like would you would you be told that i don't think anyone that's very true in terms of uh, the actual details of discovering his body thrown from a train Mm. i don't know if the police would include in their report hand held out in the tree if you know what i mean yeah so that's true because that makes you question the narrator's voice Mm. oh that's very interesting and if you actually played with that idea about how he knows that that's what his friend Kenny was the position he was in at the end. Mm. If the narrator gave us the explanation for why he thinks like that, then we get quite a lot of detail about yeah. the character. Mm. Of well, the... yeah. Mm. You, are you implying that it might be intentional that he knows more than he can know? Or, or just that he's interpreted something. Right. He's adding some he details. Yeah. I see. I see. Well, that could be interesting if he was indeed a little bit obsessed with Kenny. He's mm. kind of like mm. filling in some gaps, you know, and like imagining what more. What he wouldn't possibly know about Kenny, he's kind of filling in that detail yeah. somehow. That could be interesting. Yeah. Or, as you just said, like to imagine Kenny's final position in life. Right. And that's how he imagines him. Rather than that's what he was, that's how he imagines him. And then yeah. you get like a greater sense of the sadness that the narrator feels. Yes. Uh, yeah. Okay. Any other line edits? I did have one thought, actually, mm-hmm. how you could keep that in. Because if this, it depends where this park is and how far this is from where the narrator lives, I guess. Because one nice way that you could, is get it if you're expanding the piece, is sort of have the narrator walking through the park and then gets told this by somebody, mm-hmm. like maybe, or he's looking over the fence at, because people do go to the sites of where somebody mm-hmm. they loved has died. Yeah. So you know you could have narrator going to the site, standing in the park, and someone says, "Oh, da 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 da, I saw this," and yes. then he goes. From a description, he was like, that must have been. Mm-hmm. Or so you could, you could have just that, push it and but just it's just... Because the train crashed and he had to walk home, that he saw it, he saw Kenny. Like, he saw him like that in the tree. Mm. I mean, I think that's another step again. I guess it depends how, where, where author... Are we going too far? Yeah. We've I lost, don't know, Have maybe. we lost the plot? Because kind of like the sycamore tree. It's basically I, what we're I, I saying. Like yeah. like, it needs yeah. to be a realistic way of him knowing that For sure. And I honestly yeah. think the problem there is just the arm. You could say he was yeah. found in a sycamore tree. Yeah. That would be a thing that you could be told mm. realistically, yes. even by a police officer or something. Mm. But the detail of the arm is too detailed mm. in a way yeah. that you would actually include that mm. and that it would come up. Yeah. Um, 
So I think it's just a, a decision there. Like, is it? It's a question of is this actually an intentional thing that you'd like to explore more, or that you want to be a real feature of their relationship, or is it just we're sort of a really cool sentence and now we can't get rid of it yes. kind of thing? <laughs> you know and what I mean? I think that's very interesting because what what we're dealing then with is the sense of theme in right. the story. We mm. don't have the theme of the story is not magical realism. So mm. therefore, when we get a sentence like that, we get confused as a reader because, well, because there's no uh, there's no other example of it. And yeah. it doesn't continue that way throughout the story. We just get this one example of this of magical realism, and then we don't understand. Yeah, how how else does it happen? Um, yeah. Right. Any other lines that Any anyone wants lines? to point out? Um, let's get really pedantic. Yeah. Uh, when I'm, Eddie I'm goes, <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> let's get really pedantic. So. Uh, on the second to last page, which yep. is, it begins, when Eddie goes to bed, I leave. I want to say, I want to stay, but lately I can see Tara's gratitude turning to pity. Okay, so this is a classic example of, a, of the author writing something very telling. I can see Tara's gratitude turning to pity, but that doesn't mean that the reader can see Tara's gratitude turning to pity. What does that look like? How does it react? How do we react as a reader to that line? We can only be like, oh, okay, so that's what he's seen. But I want to. Sh- I want him to show that. I quite. But well, what? what <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know. This is the whole I've, podcast. But because <laughs> <you're gonna be laughs> me saying something, something, and then Louise. <laughs> no, but yeah. the, to, just to play devil's advocate with this yeah, line yeah, a no, little no, bit, um, because I actually read that as Tara doesn't pity you. She hates you. She, okay. it's, it's pity. It's gratitude turning to resentment because mm-hmm. you're getting in the way. Yeah. Because I don't you see how this happy. person's presence isn't <laughs> massively yeah. intrusive. Yeah. Um. So I kind of went, is it pity or is it? So I quite like that line because I think as a reader, you can kind of play with believing the narrator or mm-hmm. not. Mm-hmm. Because, but then what? What I think we need there is action, mm. an action to show this, so yeah. that we yeah. can have. Well, some dialogue she... would be grand because we basically don't There's have no any. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and as a person who really loves dialogue and always <laughs> looks at it and is very pedantic about it, mm-hmm. I would love some. Yeah. Actually, mm-hmm. it's Just sort of something... unusual that there isn't any. Tara saying something like, yeah. you, know, you don't have to come every day. Yeah. Like something as simple as In that. In a flat way that will yeah. tell you exactly what yeah. you just said. <laughs> Basically, the resentment is real. Yeah. Yeah. And closing yeah. the door on him or not being there at the appropriate time or something. Mm. You know, something to show that she's not... To, to show us. So yeah. the, author, the, the, the narrator can see, but we can't. I think that's the... And we have to read into it a lot. And you don't want to make the reader work too hard. I don't yeah. think you want to do that. You want to, you want to help them along. As Louise's books are very good at, you don't, <laughs> you, you don't have to. <laughs> Quick sidebar for let's how amazing Louise is. But it's true. I think <laughs> that's true. one of the things I enjoy about your writing so much is the fact that you don't. It it you just you're just pulled through the story. You're yeah. not. There's no. There's no. It's no struggle. And I yeah. think that's what's mm. really really pleasant about your 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 writing. And I don't. I like to struggle sometimes, but then there are sometimes like what's that famous book? Um, a girl is a half formed thing. Mm. Oh yeah. Have you tried to read it? I haven't, no. <sighs> it's difficult. It's really difficult. Every sentence is difficult. You don't know what the subject is. You don't know what's happening oh. for every single... Basically, you really have to work. You really have to work, which yeah. is the point of the story. Yeah. And for that, it should be admired. But mm. sometimes, you know, it's late at night, you just finish work. You don't want to be trying to unpick every sentence that... Yeah, well, I think that if it's a deliberate thing and there's a there's a mood that you're going mm-hmm. for and a style that you're going for, it makes sense. But sometimes if it's just, as you're saying, you're just not quite 
telling us what it is that's actually happening. Yeah. That's sort of maybe unintentional. Yeah. I've got another pedant point. Oh, good one. Which is that um, there's one point at which he says, at work the crowds part for me now, shuffling aside, eyes averted. Nobody complains when I leave early to make the 1832. This is so pedantic. But (laughs) literally earlier on, the narrator says that, Kenny leaves bang on time mm-hmm. to make 1832. So does he leave early or on time? Mm-hmm. And it makes me wonder, again, like, I, obviously they work colleagues, I guess, but we don't actually know what either of them does. Mm. So, yeah, pedantry, but one's leaving early and one's leaving on time. <laughs> so which one is it? So how can they both make the train? Yeah. 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 That is a good point. Particularly I, I because, missed that. <laughs> particularly because, like, the narrator's, like, not as good at getting through crowds. So mm. is it that why that he's leaving early? I don't know. Mm. But then also he becomes a crowds person. So I don't know. I know it's a pedantic point, but it makes me ask more questions. (laughs) I like it. I like that sort of thing. Because what what I would have assumed would happen when Kenny dies is that if the narrator takes on the mantle of Kenny, then the the narrator has a skill. Yeah, no, but then he has to leave on time. He has to become what Kenny was. He can't Mm. then... Leave early. He can't then sort of... Yeah, leave... Yeah, it can't be like that. He has to do exactly what Kenny did if he wants to become Kenny. Mm. And then what I would like to see then is, is, is in, in with the extended version is that him failing to be Kenny. Yeah. Not us, not him telling us that, you know, in the last two paragraphs that he's, um, that he's failing, but showing us that he's failing to be Kenny. Mm. Um, Although he does say I'm a crowds person now. Yeah, that's yeah. Last... Telling. <sighs> yeah well, I agree totally mm-hmm. with what you're saying, but I mean, like, I guess it's a slight, like, uh, contrast between like is he actually failing or not because he mm. kind of has the dream where he's failing but in the paragraph just before he's like i'm super into crowds and at Which the start I of like, the story because i think he's failing at being kenny when kenny's alive mm. so i think right. if he's still failing at being kenny when kenny's dead what's the point mm. i kind of okay, like fair enough yeah going back to the creepy side of him <laughs> becoming kenny um I guess <laughs> is that the title <laughs> you tried to kenny. Kenny. <laughs> um i quite like that he's now a crowds person and that he yeah. is doing I, although that. I wonder it... if we need like a little bit more to get there because he's just mm. or, like, yeah like you were saying Peter yeah. like s- something to show us because he's just suddenly like I'm a crowds person mm. I just get right in there but at the beginning of the story which is a mere sort of 500 words earlier he is terrified of crowds yeah. so maybe we need a little bit I think we just need to, to show a there. scene yeah a like, scene in the middle there so you know because you've got a couple of quite visual scenes at the beginning with Kenny or like on page on the first page where he's saying he managed to wedge himself in between a group of Aussie guys or whatever Maybe we need to see that scene again in more detail but of him actually succeeding and trying to think what did Kenny do like how did Kenny do it mm. why yeah. what am I not doing and then actually succeeding and realizing that he can mm-hmm. yeah for sure yeah. be a Kenny type person yeah I think that's what we need and I would end it optimistically I, I think it's too you would end like, like that paragraph. No, I end but it can be bittersweet if you have him succeeding at this, but then he still has yeah this this last. You know, I actually like it too. Yeah. I like the last paragraph. Like he can be, he can become Kenny in the sense that he he's able to deal with crowds now. But I just but he can he never needs... reach. He can never reach him, Peter. Just, <laughs> he's just just, just across there, the room. Just across the room. Yeah. But he can never reach him. <laughs> I guess so. I guess that's. What I like say. that. It just means he misses his friend a lot. 
But yeah. then, but he does. back to the point yeah, earlier, and we nice. need to see that friendship more. Yeah. We need yeah. to, see so we need to know more. the nature of it And it, it doesn't have... The best way to show that is not through telling us about their friendship, that they were friends since high school. Just show us a scene of something. Something mm. where Kenny does something for... Or the scene where he, Kenny meets Tara or something. Yeah. And what yeah, was the narrator definitely. doing? Failing at picking up girls or something or whatever. Mm. I, I don't know. We, don't, we just need to see that dynamic because we're just being told what Kenny does mm. and we're just told the narrator doesn't do any of that yeah. but actually what does the narrator do instead mm. is he just standing at the bar drinking his pint while Kenny is surrounded by women or mm. like what? what is that what's yeah. that look like I think for a lot of authors I think a lot of people like to try and create characters that are desperate and sad yeah. but unfortunately that's just not interesting readers but it can't I, just I be that, that yeah. it can't just be that and, and perfect, also you need yeah. a good reason to be desperate and perfect sad. example mm. is Fleabag the author what? is desperate and sad yes but they're so fascinating okay I wasn't sure what that said <laughs> I was like, like I'm ready I'm ready terrible. I'm ready for another disagreement friend what do we but yeah you see what I mean the author is desperate sad lonely well, the author isn't but Fleabag is yeah um yeah, to so, clarify. Yeah, it's not, it's not autobiographical. Yeah, yeah. Well, most of the time. So, Fleabag is. But we are so desperately interested in what they have to do and say and think and feel. Yeah. Whereas the narrator here, we don't have that because we just they're, they're just those things without the interesting bits. Yeah. So we need those interesting bits as well. Well, the narrator's quite passive, Yeah. essentially. And so that's not a bad thing. Motivation. Passive. I just want to know what their motivation is. Yeah. Like, what do they want? Yeah. And how are they being... Oh, yeah. messed around with getting it yeah. or not getting it yeah yeah Good. right okay i think that's i think that's our critique that's our yeah. critique thank you well, to then... this author yeah thank yes. you uh, again if you want to read uh this piece you can do so by going to uh mirronline.org slash author not present where you'll be able to find it either as a document you can download and edit yourself and send back to us or just you can read it on the website if the author wants to I'm going to help him edit the piece with everyone's notes. And then it will be published in about a month's time on the site. So you get to find out who wrote it, if that's something you're really interested in or not. Um, and you get to read the fi- final finished piece and compare it, if that's something you want to do. Okay. Right. To wrap up this episode, we need more banter. <laughs> <laughs> reading The yeah. Silence of the Girls. The Silence of the by Girls. Pat Barker. Okay. Um, which was shortlisted for the World's Prize, I think, okay. last year. And maybe had something to do with the booker. Maybe okay. longlisted. Yeah. I don't know. Um, so, yeah, I don't, I'm not that widely read in Greek mythology. Mm-hmm. But I know who Achilles is, so it's fine. Um, who is? Achilles. Achilles, okay. Yeah. So I'm quite enjoying that, about 80 pages in. Um I'm still trying to decide because obviously it's very historical, but the style of it is quite modern, which I think is always how it has to be. So it's Achilles with a sort of modern twist. So Mm. it's 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 telling the women's story Mm. essentially. So um, I can't remember her name. She was the queen of this city that has been attacked by Achilles. Yeah, we don't point out (laughs) ignorance. Um, (laughs) I'm really ignorant. Uh, Um, so no, no but let's yeah, give it to Troy. It's not about Helen. Oh, it's not about Helen. Well, I'm sure Helen will be in it. I think okay. Helen's over in Troy. They're still attacking Troy. Mm-hmm. I don't think the horse is coming. To <laughs> it hasn't been the horse yet. There's no horse. Yet. Um, God, it's, oh yeah. I mean, because I, um, very sadly, 
un well read when it comes to Greek mythology. It's all interesting, but it's about the women's life in this camp and how a lot of them who were quite high up are now slaves mm-hmm. and anyone who is quite young is basically now been taken into the beds of the soldiers and is trying to deal with that. And there's a load of rats. Okay. Oh. There's so many rats and they keep dying a really horrible death and it's a bit <laughs> Um, but it's enjoyable. I'm enjoying it, and um, yeah, I'm gonna see how it develops. Good, nice. nice, Christina. What are you reading at the moment? I have just started *The Secret River* by Kate Grenville, okay. um, which won the Orange Prize and was shortlisted for the Man Booker at the time, and it was just turned into a play at the National. Um, it is about she is a Sydney, Australia-based writer, and it is about. The British colonising Australia. Um, so it follows a particular Awkward. story. Well, <laughs> it is about one particular man who is sentenced to life in Australia. Okay. So he's just... I'm not that far into it. He's just arrived, basically, and discovered what a inhospitable landscape Australia is compared to the London that he knows. Um, and he's brought his wife and kid with him. Um, it starts with a very beautiful scene in which he encounters an Aboriginal man for the first time. Um, and is kind of petrified and mystified in equal measure, I think. Um, but it's a very poetic start, and I'm kind of looking forward to how it unravels. Mm-hmm. Can I mention, though, the last thing that I read that I really am recommending to everybody, mm-hmm. which is Little Blue Encyclopedia for Vivian, okay. which our friend Liam recommended. Okay. Uh, that is beautiful, and everyone should go read it. It's by Hazel Jane Plant, and it is a it is written by... So the narrating voice is a queer trans woman whose best friend who is also trans has just died Mm -hmm. Um, and the entire story is told through this narrator trying to come to terms with the death by reliving this like fictional pop culture tv show that they loved together so yeah she's like creating an an encyclopedia basically for her dead friend Um, and it is really beautiful it's just like a love letter to a dead friend basically and um yeah i read the whole thing is it fiction or is it it's fiction yeah i read the whole thing very very quickly and in australia and i just cried in a shopping center at the end because it's so beautiful so yeah recommending that to everyone okay go read that right i'm currently reading i just finished um uh her body another parties not stories <laughs> yes. thing, which i just would highly recommend but i recommended that in the last podcast so i'm not gonna do it in this one um at the moment i'm reading what kate ellis suggested in our last podcast podcast uh, kate ellis is the uh head of the uh, the brick lane bookshop short story prize for 2020 enter that now uh yeah you can still enter it um which is Dreyer's English by Benjamin Dreyer, yes. all about copy editing and copywriting. And I was like, oh, should I read this? I probably should, as I do spend my life copy editing. And it's very interesting, mainly just to confirm what you already knew and you make yourself feel smart. But a lot of things, I'm just like, okay, I did not know that. Like, for instance, colons. Mm. Do you capitalise after a colon? I thought that was oh. an Americanism. Oh, yeah. So do you capitalise after a no. colon? No. Oh, he says you should... If the what comes after a colon is a full sentence. Oh, okay. If it's a full sentence, then yes. Good to know. If not, if it's a list, then no. Interesting. I, I did not know that. I definitely have capitalised for clients, but one of my main clients is a US-based giant tech company <laughs> who <laughs> demand capitalisation. So yeah. that's the only circumstances under which I've done that. Yeah. So that's good to know. I think this is the first, one of the, you know, when you read a book and you're just like, oh, I'm an adult. 
I'm a boring adult because I'm really <laughs> enjoying this book. I, but it is I love ex- grammar. But it's exceptionally well written. It's okay. really funny and he's got lots of it's like... It's funny. Yeah, it's really funny. He's got, Mad jokes about coal. <laughs> <laughs> he's got lots of jokes in there and lots of... Uh, it's Yeah, it's... it's but the semicolon section is a riot. It yeah. is. It really is. It's really interesting. <laughs> I love a semicolon. So I, was, them. I, had to oh, go, I love them too. Mm-hmm. For some reason, we decided to do this podcast at 9am and so I was like, I have to go to bed early because I live far, far away from here. And then I just couldn't stop reading about semicolons <laughs> and stuff like that. Okay. Yeah. Finally, promotion. Who's got things to promote? You Me. Do. Me. What do you have to promote? <laughs> a book. A book. Yay. An entire book coming book. out. Um, so, yeah. So by the time this podcast is available to listen to. By the way, it's Valentine's Day today. It is, although we are recording way before, and yeah. I don't want to think about that. Okay. And also, I don't recognise that. We just said that. we were not going to I do not recognise that as Saints Day. <laughs> All right. But what you, so, something came out yesterday. What was that? Yeah, so the audiobook. For? For This Lovely City, mm. which is my novel. Um, so that's available now on the usual Audible, Apple, wherever you get audiobooks from, mm-hmm. basically. Um, and it's actually really cool. So I've got two young actors who are narrating my main characters because uh, in the book they have alternate uh, alternate chapters um but also we've had an original piece of jazz commissioned for the audiobook oh, that's so um cool. it's really cool um which is a jazz band from elam which is east london arts and music academy wow. i always forget what that stands for <laughs> elam um so they wrote this amazing piece of music that is also on the audiobook so you should listen to it for their piece of music more than anything great <laughs> yeah. um with my Mirror Online hat on, I'm going to promote the fact that we have Mirror Live on February 24th, which please come to. It's at the Harrison Pub, which is just um, near King's Cross. You can find all the details on our website. And was there anything else I was supposed to promote? I don't know. I can't remember anything else. Was there for the website? Listen to uh, other podcasts and other things like that we've done. And read our short stories. And just get on board with Mirror Online and look at everything we have. And 10 Things. And 10 Things. Which is our feature, which... Um, um, so January, January's was my agent, not Andrew, yes. answering our questions. And then... Very good. I've got Abby. Okay, doing, Abby Dare. Yeah, hers will be out a few days after this podcast. Great. So if you're listening to this podcast on catch-up, is that a thing <laughs> with podcasts? I don't know. <laughs> don't know. Um, that should be out about the 21st, I Perfect. think. All right. Okay. So thank you for coming to do this first episode. I can't believe it's finally happened. Hooray, it's begun. It's begun. Uh, Yeah, so please, if you want to give feedback to us, send it to editor at mirrorline.org or just reply to the tweet that this this podcast is under. Let us know what you think. Let us know if you agree with us. Let us know if you have very different opinions. And if you want to do a full critique and send it to the author as a practice, please do. We'd love to have them. Uh, yes, and go to uh, mirrorline.org slash authornotpresent to read the piece that we have just been discussing and get ready for next time when we'll upload the next piece, which we don't know what that is yet. I think it's called Of Sprites and Spirits. Yes, I yeah. believe that's the next one. Yeah, so... so get ready for that. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.